Welcome to today's online worship experience. I'm Pastor Anthony, and it is an honor to be in your space today. Thanks for joining us. You made our day when you logged on. We're continuing a series called Me Plus You. We're looking at the essentials to extraordinary relationships. Over these weeks, we're talking about all of these really important relationships in your life. And so I want you to turn with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8. You can also go to your YouVersion Bible app on your smartphone. If you'll go to the menu, then events, type in North Park Church. All of today's scriptures and notes are going to be right there for you. Now I will say, today's topic may be a little sensitive. Even going to put maybe a PG rating on this one because we're going to talk about marriage, singleness, dating, and even sex. Now I'm going to be very sensitive about this topic, but if you've got little ones running around or some younger audience members, you may want to view this content before you let them see it. That's completely up to you. Again, we're going to be super sensitive, so you don't have to worry too much, but I just want to give you a little warning. So let's dive into God's Word today as we continue this series, Me Plus You. In our world today, there is so much being said about marriage, sex, singleness, and dating. I'll be honest, I like to watch movies. I have my favorite TV shows that I've been, just like you do. And I've been so disappointed lately as I've watched some of my favorite shows devaluing and honestly dismantling the sanctity of marriage and sex. It's important for us to remember that marriage was God's idea. And sex is a gift to be enjoyed in a biblical marriage relationship. And something that is so beautiful inside of that biblical marriage relationship, outside of that biblical marriage relationship, actually can be pretty destructive to relationships and to different areas of our lives. And so I want us to really focus in on what God has to say about those things. Because the society that we live in has taken the biblical view of marriage and sex, dating and singleness and distorted it at times and other times completely thrown it out the window. Now, I think Paul gives us some great information in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And we're going to look at this chapter today, but let's get some background information. So first, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And apparently there was a group of people who probably in response to the sexual promiscuity of the Corinthian church were basically saying that absolute celibacy was the way to go. And even begin to paint this picture that sex was bad, at best a necessary evil. And basically what they thought was that the truly holy Jesus people were no sex people. And I want you to see that that's actually not true. And so Paul's addressing that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And this is what he writes. He says, now regarding the questions you asked in your letter. So apparently they have reached out to Paul with these questions. And so Paul is writing this letter back to answer their questions. And so he says, regarding the questions you ask in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. So Paul in this chapter talks about how marriage and singleness are both gifts and how God has a plan for both of those things. Now, I want you to also see Christianity has a high, incredibly high view of both singleness and marriage. But here's our dilemma. We live in a culture um, that is really a church culture that can be obsessed with marriage. Like it's the goal for everyone. 
almost like if you are married, you're on the varsity team. But if you're not married, you're like on the JV team and you're just kind of stuck there. And so a lot of times in church, in our culture, single people can often feel marginalized. Now, if you're a single person, you're probably wanting to say, hey, man, preach it, pastor. Right. I, I heard about one person in another church that was talking about their singles ministry. So it was a, a ministry that they had created for all these different people. Because we let's be honest, people are single for all different reasons. Right. And all different age groups. And, and this is how they described it. They were like, come sign up for our single ministry, the land of misfit toys. And that's horrible and so false. Right. But if you're feel marginalized and you and you're one of those people in that single category as I am in this season of my life, you can almost feel like you're in the land of misfit toys and you're not exactly sure where you fit. But on the other hand, we live in a secular culture that is obsessed with singleness and not biblical singleness, mind you, which means remaining celibate, but a non-commitment singleness where you can have sex whenever you want. It's convenient with no strings attached. So you've got these two wild extremes, a secular society that says, do whatever you want, right? Doesn't matter. Then you have this church culture that says, well, if you're not married, you're somehow on the JV squad and you're trying to figure out what's happening on both of those sides of you. And in this season of singleness that you live, like what is God's plan for me in this? Is there something that God's wanting for me in this season of my life? Or are we going to be obsessed uh, with something that we want, but we do not have? It's a very difficult place for people to reside. And so Paul is basically wanting to show you that God has a plan for both marriage and he also has a plan for singleness. I recently came across a great resource on this topic by Pastor J.D. Greer, and it's just too good not to share. And so I want to give you a handful of completely counter-cultural statements on sex and singleness that can be gleaned from this chapter. All right, here's the first one. Singleness is not an inferior state to marriage. Let me say it again because I want you to get it. Singleness is not an inferior state to marriage. I think single people get a very raw deal sometimes. And, and I think married people with really good intentions are always trying to fix them up as if something were wrong with them. Even the term, hey, I want to fix you up, basically implies something needs to be fixed here because something is wrong. There's this idea that, you know, God has to do a little bit more work on you before he brings that special person in your life. Or you have to become someone wonderful before God gives you somewhere, someone wonderful. As though God grants marriage as a reward to those who are satisfactorily sanctified. And author Tim Keller says these statements, they aren't true. And that's because marriage is not some superior state. In fact, he says, marriage is a temporary gift that God gives to some for the fulfillment of his purposes. I mean, think about that, that marriage is a temporary gift that God gives to some for the fulfillment of his purposes. So I want you to recognize if you're in a state of singleness, you are not inferior and there's not something wrong with you that needs to be fixed. You were amazing just the way you are. Number two, the gifts of marriage and the gifts of singleness both have advantages. 
I do believe marriage is a wonderful thing and marriage is a gift. Jesus told us as husbands to love our wives, as I've already said, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And I can honestly say as a man who was married for 23 years and had a wonderful marriage, I have a deeper understanding of the love of Jesus and the love that Jesus has for the church because of that marriage relationship. I have a deeper understanding of who God is as my father because I am one. Marriage and father, those relationships have helped me learn those things. I've learned what it means to live your life for others. And I learned that as a husband and a father. So marriage is a gift and it is a wonderful gift in our life. And two realities exist at the same time. Singleness is also a gift. How so? Paul actually gave us the answer to that question. If we fast forward down in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting with verse 32, here's what he says. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. Verse 34, it says his interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. Verse 35, Paul says, I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best with as few distractions as possible. See, I think that's really important. Paul's not saying you should be single. And Paul's also not saying you should get married. Look at what he says. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best. So if you're in the season of your life thinking, should I be married? Should I not be married? Should I take this step? Should I not take this step? I think Paul's advice is so critical. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best. So here are a couple of thoughts that I have. How do I know if I should get married? And that's the answer. Can I serve God better with this person than I can on my own? When, when someone comes to me and says, Pastor, how do I know if this is the one? Well, first of all, I would say it's not the one because God should be the one. So it's the two. Right. How do I know if this is my person is what we're saying. And I always go back to that question. Can you serve God better together than you can on your own? And if you'd say, absolutely, I know we can serve God better together than we ever could individually. then that's a really, really big step in that direction. Here's another thought. We need to reject the e-harmony myth, all right? Now, I'm not saying don't do e-harmony. That's not a problem. There's nothing wrong with that per se. But the myth is that if I can just find the right person, then I will be happy. And if you're unhappy right now, finding the right person will solve that issue in your life. And if you're married and unhappy right now, it's because you married the wrong person. That's kind of what we, we think. But here's the truth. Romance and marriage will never satisfy the deepest need of your soul. If you were unhappy and unfulfilled right now in this season of your life as a single person, it's very likely you'd be the same in a marriage relationship. It's not our spouse's 
responsibility to satisfy that deepest longing in our heart. Only God can do that. So we need to reject the e-harmony myth. Here's another thought. We need to protect the sanctity of marriage. Contrary to popular belief, marriage is not the grand prize for a reality TV show. It frustrates me so much. I'm going to get off my soapbox here because I don't even want to get on it. But I watch how, how we, we, we flock to some of these shows. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch some of this stuff. I'm just saying like marriage is, 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 is holy, right? It's something that God's given us. It is not the grand prize for a reality TV show. Let's recognize what marriage is and let's make sure we protect the sanctity of that union and that gift that God has given to a man and to a woman. Practice and protect the sanctity of marriage. And here's another thing that I would say, especially as we think about dating and singleness. Only date those who share your values. That is absolutely critical. I believe it's very important as a follower of Jesus that we date followers of Jesus. Um, I, I can tell you as a pastor, like I, I want to see you in relationship with someone who shares your values. So I would even say it's important to not even date a non-believer. Why on earth would you lead one another on when it literally doesn't work when a non-believer and a believer tries to, to create that union before the Lord? It, it just doesn't always fit and, and can lead down a very painful, a very painful path. Ladies, let me talk to you for a second. This guy that you're dating is, is, is and one day would be your husband, is going to be the biggest influence on your future children. Why on earth would you settle for someone who will not lead them spiritually? Just about any married person will tell you it's far better to be single than to be married to someone who doesn't share your core commitments. So like the first question that you got to figure out is, is this person a follower of Jesus? Are we sharing the same core values? If not, why would I engage in a serious relationship with that person? Let's not be unequally yoked. So let's make sure that we're dating those who share our values. And then here's the final thing that I would say. Do not settle. Whatever you do, do not settle. Let's go back to where we started. Marriage, it's a gift. Singleness, also a gift. And so let's lean into the season that we're in, not seeking to find someone to satisfy this deepest longing in our heart that only God can feel. And I know in our minds, maybe you're thinking, but I don't want to be alone. I'm tired of being alone. Let me remind you, you weren't created to be alone. You were created to experience life change in the context of meaningful relationships. And so right now, especially in this season of singleness, I challenge you to lean in to those relationships that you do have where you find life. I think that God has blessed us with so many friendships and family members and the body of Christ, those who we're living life with to help us grow as followers of Jesus and experience that life change. 
And so I pray that even in your season of singleness, that you would have the deepest and healthiest relationships around you so that you would know you are not living this life alone. But you were surrounded by people who believe in you and who were cheering you on every single day of your life. Let's pray together today. Father, I thank you so much for your word that is so relevant to everything that we face. And I pray that today we would recognize that marriage, it is a gift from you, that it is holy and that we would make sure we would fight for the sanctity of that relationship. And Lord, help us to also recognize that singleness is also a gift from you. And I pray that if there's someone who's in that season of their life who feels marginalized or they they feel inferior because they aren't in a marriage relationship, Lord, I pray that today you would wash those things away and help them to see that there is purpose in this season of their life. And I pray they would be intentional with their time to lift you up, to bring glory to you, to serve you and point other people to you. And I pray, Lord, that they would find great fulfillment and joy as they follow you and they are great stewards of this season of their life. And we're going to be quick to praise you and give you honor and glory. And I recognize that where there is pain, that there is a healer who wants to speak healing into those areas of pain and brokenness in their life. Lord, maybe they are in this season of singleness because someone has rejected them because they've experienced the brokenness of death or even divorce. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would be their healer and that they would recognize that you were just as close as the mention of your name. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak life into every broken area and you would begin to mend those things, that their trust would be in you and their hope would be in you. And they would recognize that just because their future is different doesn't mean it still can't be absolutely amazing. And I pray that you would blow their mind exceedingly above all they can ask, think, or even imagine. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.